This is episode 361 of the AWS podcast, released on March 22, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Back to the AWS podcast. I'm Alicia here with you. Good to have you back. And it is an update show. So I'm, of course, joined by the fantastic Nikki Stone. Welcome back, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here as usual. Excited that it's not as many updates as we usually do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a briefer show because we're trying to get the cadence right. And I think we've done it okay this time. But let's not waste any time dilly dallying. Let's start with our first topic, which is analytics. Uh, and firstly, there is now column-level access control for Amazon Redshift. So this means that customers can use column-level grant and revoke statements to help them meet their security and compliance needs. So already you have the access to table-level access controls. If you need a finer granularity, now you can control which particular columns people can have access to, which is very cool. You can now automate index management with Amazon Elasticsearch service. So the service has now enabled you to automate recurring index management activities. In the past, you had to use tools to manage the data lifecycle inside Elasticsearch. Uh, For example, customers would often set up daily indexes for their operational logs, roll them over nightly, or after 30 days, delete the oldest index. Now with index state management, you can just create a policy that will automate these operations based on the index age, size, and other conditions all from within your Elasticsearch service domain. Uh, so that is awesome. And this one is especially cool for Amazon Elasticsearch. There's another update. Um, you can now build K-nearest neighbor similarity search engines with Amazon Elasticsearch. So KNN, if you're not familiar, you can actually search by similarity use cases like product recommendations, fraud detection, image, video, and semantic document retrieval. KNN is it's a popular um, machine learning algorithm. So you can now take advantage of it inside Elasticsearch. And it's built using the lightweight and efficient non-metric space library. It enables high-scale, low-latency, nearest-neighbor search on billions of documents across thousands of dimensions with the same ease as running any regular Elasticsearch query. I think that's really freaking awesome. Very, very nice. The Amazon Athena team have been busy and they've now added support for querying data at S3 buckets using AWS IM, AWS called via condition key. So this is a new condition key that you might not uh, be familiar with. It's basically for use with all services that make requests using your credentials. And so now Amazon Athena has support for this. So this means that when you submit a query to Athena that scans data from S3, Athena reads the required data from S3 to execute your query on your behalf using SSL encryption. But you may want to provide uh, more restrictive policies on your S3 buckets. So for example, to only allow data read access from whitelisted IP addresses. Now, previously there was no way to specify access for Athena in this restrictive S3 bucket policy. So you had to just try and scan and you would fail. Uh, With this release, you can now easily use the AWS called via key in addition to your existing bucket policy to allow Athena to scan your data in your S3 bucket and execute the query on your behalf. So that's a nice, easy change to make there. Also, Amazon MSK can now stream broker logs to CloudWatch Logs, Amazon S3, or the Amazon Elasticsearch service. You can see it's all coming together in the updates today. Uh, so you can now stream Apache Kafka broker logs into those three different locations via the Amazon Kinesis data firehose. Now, this allows customers to more easily troubleshoot and understand the performance of the applications that use Amazon MSK clusters as a data store. Now, these broker logs are available for both new and existing clusters and can simply be enabled from the console or the CLI. 
Moving over to the topic of compute, you can now proactively manage your ECR API use with CloudWatch metrics and service quotas. So ECR, Amazon Elastic Container Registry, introduced three new enhancements that help you see and proactively manage API usage when pushing and pulling container images. So first, you now get up to the minute API metrics in CloudWatch usage metrics for the number of times that you push and pull images, giving you that visibility that you might need. Secondly, you can now view approved account level API quotas uh, using the AWS service quotas. So you can easier see and request quota increases from the same place. And lastly, these new API metrics are automatically tracked against your quota. So you can trend and alarm as usage approaches limits, um, helping you manage utilization and identify anomalous activity. Very, very nice. AWS Parallel Cluster 2.6.0 now has CloudWatch log integration and more. Now, if you're not familiar with AWS Parallel Cluster, it's a fully supported and managed open source cluster management tool that makes it easy for scientists, researchers, and IT administrators to deploy and manage high-performance computing clusters in the AWS cloud. Now, these are typically collections of tightly coupled compute storage and networking resources that let you run really large-scale scientific and engineering workloads. Now, some new feature enhancements. Uh, it now integrates natively with CloudWatch to send HPC cluster and job scheduler logs to CloudWatch. So that gives you all the options of the good stuff there. DCV on Ubuntu 18 as well. So this is a remote desktop visualization. It now adds uh, that access to Ubuntu 18 and also Amazon Linux 2. Uh, FSx for Lustre enhancements. You'll remember that uh, we added some new capabilities to FSx for Lustre to do both scratch space and long-term space, also high burst speeds and a whole bunch of other implementations that's now fully supported as well. And you can now choose Amazon Linux 2 as your base operating system of choice to run your clusters as well. Now, this is available at no charge. You just pay for the AWS resource you use to run your clusters. Another update in the compute zone is AWS Lambda at Edge now supports Node 12.x and Python 3.8 which is very exciting. Nikki is nodding her head in happiness because uh, both these join Node.js 10.x and Python 3.7. And now this is important because Node.js 12.x is the current long-term support version of Node. It uses the new V8 7.4 engine, better performance, all the good stuff, which we like. Big, uh, big tick in the box from Nikki. And Python 3.8, I'll give the big tick for Python because I'm a bit of a Pythonista these days. It has a whole bunch of new uh, capabilities and support as well. So this is good to go. So if you want to use the latest and greatest on there, you can. Now, another update is for Amazon LightSail, and this now supports resource monitoring, alarming, and notifications. And this allows you to set up thresholds for each of those monitored metrics in your LightSail instances and be alerted if you exceed those by email or SMS. Now, if you are not familiar with Amazon LightSail, it's kind of a really easy to get started, uh, ticks a lot of boxes for some simple use cases of hosting different kinds of applications, be they CMS type applications, blogging applications, a whole bunch of stuff. It's a very simple sort of one, two click type approach. It's a very nifty thing. A lot of customers use it for their own customers to give them access to compute. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement, we have two quick updates here. Uh, first, Amazon Pinpoint has added template personalization using machine learning. Uh, so Pinpoint has launched a new feature that helps customers personalize their email, SMS, and push messaging templates using dynamic message variables. So you can add dynamic message variables as placeholders within templates and then populate them with content specific to each user. Content can either come from user attributes stored in Pinpoint 
or a machine learning model created with Amazon Personalize. So if you want to deliver like relevant product recommendations or targeted marketing marketing promotions, you can now use machine learning to select the right content for each of your users. So that's awesome customization for marketing. Um, and Amazon Connect has made it easier to customize the caller experience by adding attributes to existing contact flow blocks. So you can pass variables to the set hold flow block, set whisper flow block, and set customer queue flow block to programmatically adapt and personalize your customer experience. Historically, businesses could branch their logic into their flows to set a customer-specific hold, whisper, or queue flow, but now contact center admins can design the flows that configure the customer experience in real time based on the attributes returned from a Lambda function or the input entered by your end customer, reducing the number of blocks by 40% plus. That's a lot. That's a big reduction. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice reduction. Let's move on to the topic of databases. And this one I'm very excited about. The NoSQL Workbench for Amazon DynamoDB is now generally available. So this is a client-side application available for Windows and Mac OS that lets developers build scalable high-performance data models and simplifies query development and testing. I cannot begin to tell you how much easier this makes life because now you can design your data models in a very visual way. It's got a very rich graphical user interface. You can visualize data. You can perform those operations. Uh, you can use it to build data models from scratch. And the thing I like is you can import and modify existing data models so I can see the amazing horror of my previous data designs and fix <laughs> them up as well. Also, you can connect to your DynamoDB local instance as well, which is a downloadable version of DynamoDB directly from the workbench and test your applications in a local development environment because I know everyone wants to be able to develop on an airplane, although in these COVID-19 days, probably less so. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a must-have if you spend a lot of time with DynamoDB. That one had your name all over it. I yeah. saw it last night. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Simon. He's going to go off. <laughs> Another one I really yeah. like is uh, an update for Amazon Neptune. They've refreshed the console experience to simplify management of your database. So this is a really useful database type for things like social graphs and other interrelated data. So the console experience now makes it much simpler to manage clusters, the instances, the views are easier, a lot of customer feedback to make this easy. So I'm sure the team would like to hear if, they, if you like it. Also, a quick update for Amazon Aurora with PostgreSQL. It now supports in-place upgrade from Postgres 9.6 to 10. So version 10 has a whole bunch of features like native table partitioning, improved parallelism in query execution, uh, ICU co collation support, column group statistics, and a bunch, bunch more. And if there's one kind of upgrade we all like as administrators, it's an in-place upgrade because it makes our life so much easier. Amazon Aurora with PostgreSQL compatibility also now supports user authentication with Kerberos and Microsoft Active Directory. Uh, so that now supports external authentication of database users using Kerberos or Microsoft Active Directory. I think that's really awesome. This support provides the benefits of single sign-on and centralized auth of Aurora PostgreSQL database users. You can keep all of your users' credentials in the same Active Directory and save time and effort as you now have a centralized place for storing and managing them for multiple database instances. And now, moving over to one of my favorite topics, <laughs> developer tools. This is your home ground, Nikki. <laughs> AWS Code Commit has introduced an open source remote helper. This one was pretty interesting. Uh, so they've introduced an open source remote helper for Git and Git remote code commit. So this package extends Git and supports using authentication for code commit repo access 
using profile information configured through the AWS CLI. So this method also supports IAM users and access through assumed rules, identity providers, and federated access. The remote helper is open source and available for community contributions through PRs for its Git repository. So that's really cool. You can also take a look and check out the code online if you uh, if you want to see what it is. Very nice. Moving on to end user computing. Amazon AppStream 2.0 adds support for native application mode on Windows PCs. So native application mode for streaming gives you a familiar experience for AppStream 2.0 users by letting them interact with their remote streaming applications in the same way as they interact with locally installed applications. And now users can switch seamlessly between locally installed applications and remote applications that are streamed through AppStream 2.0. So this really gives you that, that uh, you know, it's all in the same OS type feel, even though you're streaming remotely. The nice thing is, is it also allows you to access local files, uh, folders and drives as well for your streaming applications. Uh, it can really give you that native uh, experience. It's a very nifty technology. Uh, if you're a Windows user, this is probably something very interesting to you. Moving over to my second favorite topic, machine learning. I think it's becoming your favorite topic uh, quietly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a really close tie. I'm not going to lie. Uh, announcing time expression for Amazon Comprehend Medical. This one is pretty interesting. So obviously tracking patients' health status is imperative for any healthcare provider, but being able to place this information on a timeline is also vital for other aspects of healthcare, such as research, medical coding, claims agitation, population health, and pharmacovigilance, to name a few. Uh, so this time expression feature will allow users to extract and relate the date or time expression to any of the entities currently extracted from Amazon Comprehend Medical. And so using the time expressions extracted from clinical notes and those linked entities, developers can actually create a longitudinal view from the unstructured clinical notes and see what health looks like over time. I think that's really cool. You can lay out the data of a series of symptoms leading to the chief complaint. You can chart out vital signs over the course of patient care. You can do a lot of things now with time expression for Comprehend Medical. Very nifty. You can also now improve your training time, model stability, and accuracy on Amazon Forecast by using new hyperparameters that are now supported on Deep AR+. Now, Amazon Forecast is a fully managed service that uses machine learning to generate accurate forecasts without requiring any prior ML experience. Now, this is useful for things like energy demand forecasting, workflow and workforce forecasting, I should say, resource planning. There's a whole bunch. There's always planning involved. And so we're excited to announce three new deep AR plus hyperparameters that can let you reduce your training time, increase model stability and accuracy. So often you have to uh, run many different training runs and now there is a new ability to have the average models across all those training runs. Sometimes you want to also improve your conversion speeds and shorten your training time so you can now change the learning rate during training using the hyperparameters learning rate decay and max learning rate decays. And there's also, and this is my favorite one, uh, Deep AR Plus now supports a new piecewise linear likelihood function. I've always wanted one of those. That supports data sets <laughs> with flexible distributions that bear no parametric assumptions. And that is the update that crosses my threshold of mathematical knowledge, Nikki, and leaves me going, okay, I'm not and never will be a data scientist, but luckily I can use <laughs> API callable services that let me do that. Now, if you are a data scientist, you're probably going to be interested in this next one, which is new AWS Deep Learning containers with TensorFlow 1.5, 2, 2.0.1, 2.1.0, and PyTorch 1.4.0 and MXNet 1.6.0. So these are all the latest of the good stuff. There's also Gluon NLP and Horovod. 
Uh, you can launch these up and running. You can launch them at EC2, EKS, self-managed Kubernetes on EC2. You can run it on ECS. Uh, it is the the one that you would use if you have way more mathematical knowledge than myself. And I'd venture to say, Nikki, you're probably in the same boat as me on that one. I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> Although I wish I was as cool as like some of the data scientists, but I I, I, don't, I haven't we reached never will that. Be. We never will be. Probably not. <laughs> but this next one you can call yourself and you like this one. This next this one is very interesting. Um, Amazon Transcribe now supports automatic content redaction. Uh, so Transcribe, as you know, is one of our machine learning APIs. So you do not need to be an expert data scientist, thank God. And you can use Transcribe to do speech-to-text capability for your applications. Uh, so now you can actually instruct Transcribe to automatically remove sensitive, personally identifiable information, also known as PII, from your transcription results. So I think that's pretty awesome. It can actually accurately identify and remove PII before returning your transcription. And so this includes stuff like social security numbers, credit card, bank account information, contact information, such as name, email address, phone number, and mailing address. And so this redaction feature now enables like contact centers that use Transcribe to review and share the transcripts to improve their customer service experience, but still keep their customers' data safe and secure. So I think that's pretty incredible. Some, uh, some pretty significant updates in the world of management and governance. Amazon CloudWatch now allows you to combine multiple alarms. So this helps you reduce alarm noise to focus on critical operational issues. You can now easily combine multiple alarms together into what are called alarm hierarchies that only trigger once when multiple alarms fire at the same time. This lets you stay focused on finding the root cause of operational issues and figure out what is going on. If you've ever been in a uh, operational viewpoint and all the alarms are going off, you're like, well, I have no idea what to do now. This lets you quieten <laughs> it down. Now, you can you can uh, group these into different uh, components like AWS region or availability zone. You can deploy different variations of that based upon your particular use case. The nice thing is, is that the composite alarms publish to the SNS topics. So you can trigger auto scaling based on the state of multiple alarms, or you can set a different uh, activity based on maybe a Lambda that you need to do. There's a whole bunch of stuff that this really opens up to for you. And uh, these are now available in all AWS standard regions as well. Another update is AWS Control Tower now supports single step account provisioning. So this is really useful through the console. Basically, it lets master account administrators provision new accounts from within that console. You basically just click across to the account factory link and you choose the quick account provisioning link and you assign the email address and away you go. It's literally single step, which is really, really good. Another thing that helps make life a bit easier is AWS Config now has multi-account, multi-region support for advanced query. Now, last year we announced advanced query for AWS Config, which lets you see all the config properties all around your environment using simple SQL-like queries. And I'm a big fan of SQL-like queries. Now, what you can do is you can do this across multiple accounts and multiple regions as well so that you can get access to everything that's going on, understand your resource configuration state, your tags, your relationships, etc. This is a super powerful capability and you can also then export the results in CSV or JSON format for offline access, which is useful if you're having to build reports and other types of uh, auditing as well. The great thing is, is this support is available at no additional cost to AWS Config customers. Also, another little change that's more of a commercial one, but I thought it's worth mentioning because it's one of those uh, interesting ones that you, you bump into from time to time when you're building for a uh, global customer base, is that US commercial regions now support bank redirect payment method in Chinese yuan for Chinese-based customers. And basically what this means is that for China-based customers who use services in US 
commercial regions can now pay their invoices from Amazon Web Services Incorporated in Chinese yuan through bank redirect payment method. So AWS has partnered with the Lianlian Yingtong Electronic Payment Company, a licensed payment processor in China to enable China-based customers using services built by AWS Incorporated to pay their invoices in Chinese yuan through bank redirect payment method. So this is Important if you're that sort of person uh, doing that sort of work, so that should make it a little bit easier. And last one on this particular topic is Amazon Managed Cassandra Service Quota information is now available through Service Quotas. So if you use that particular service, you can now view and manage your quota information centrally uh, along with all your other AWS services, which also means you can understand where your limits are, what your performance throughput is, et cetera. And you can understand things like your maximum on-demand read and write operations that you can perform on a table, et cetera. Moving over to the best topic of the podcast, <laughs> mobile. The Amplify console has added command line interface for configuring continuous deployment and hosting. Uh, so Amplify console is a service inside your AWS service account. And uh, it's now made its fully managed hosting and continuous deployment service available through the Amplify CLI. So previously you had to set it up through the console. Now you can set it up through the CLI. The managed hosting offers benefits such as instantly available CDN, instant cache and validation on code commit, atomic deployments, and easy custom domain setup. Um, and so CLI can now, user, users can now get the additional benefit of storing the Amplify console resources as infrastructure as code, CloudFormation templates, so they can replicate their console hosting config in different accounts or regions. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Now we're moving on to a new topic, networking and content delivery. Amazon FSX now enables you to create and use file systems in shared Amazon VPCs. Uh, so FSX is a fully managed service that makes it easy for you to launch and run feature-rich and highly performant file systems with just a few clicks, and has now enabled you to create and use file systems in shared VPCs. This feature is available for both Windows File Server and FSX for Luster as well. And VPC sharing enables you to reduce the number of VPCs that you need to create and manage. I don't know why I'm struggling to say VPC today, but it's really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> one me, more quick update. And I was going to say, you, 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 I'm going to take the next one because it, it, well, it doesn't have the word VPC in it, so you can do it, Dick. <laughs> Uh, one more quick update in this category. AWS Global Accelerator now supports bring your own IP addresses and resource tagging. So starting today, you can now bring your own IP addresses to AWS Global Accelerator to advertise public 24 IP address ranges that you own from, ed from edge of the AWS Global Network. Bring your own IP addresses enables you to front your applications in Global Accelerator with your own IP addresses, including addresses that are whitelisted in client applications without making any client facing changes. Uh, this allows you to move all or part of your critical and latency sensitive apps that use hard coded IP addresses to AWS with our high availability and performance. You can also use your own IP addresses registered in specific countries with AWS workloads that are hosted globally to satisfy regulatory or compliance requirements. Traffic destined to these IP addresses will be routed to the optimal endpoint by Global Accelerator over the AWS Global Network. Uh, that's really, really awesome. And you can also assign tags to accelerators as well. You can use tags to allocate costs to specific accelerators as well as control access to your accelerator. Moving on to the topic of quick starts. So a couple of new quick starts. You can now deploy the new Beaver TLS Decrypt on the AWS Cloud, which allows you to get complete packet visibility 
that uses uh, TLS decryption. So this is a really useful open source tool. You can also have a new quick start that deploys Amazon FSx for Windows File Server on AWS. This gets it up and running if you're an IT infrastructure architect, admin, DevOps, professional, etc., who wants to set that up. This gets you up and running very, very quickly. Moving on quickly to also security, identity, and compliance, the AWS Secrets Manager now supports larger size for secrets and higher request rates for the Get Secret Value API. So now you can have a secret of up to 64K. I wonder how much exact secret that is. <laughs> it's like how many how many secrets can you fit in 64K? But basically this means that you can have secrets that have uh, things like certificates with a long chain of trust. Uh, it also now has a higher request rate, so it's now 2,000 requests per second and you get this automatically in your account. It's pretty nifty, I think you're right. It, Nikki, this is a good service. If you're trying to build systems that have credentials, this is kind of the way to do it. I just spent my weekend writing a GitHub SSH key rotator uh, with AWS Secrets Manager and Lambda. So yeah, <laughs> I would say this is a great service. Very, very nice. Uh, Moving over to the topic of storage, announcing 36% faster EBS optimized performance on additional AWS Nitro system-based Amazon EC2 instances. Uh, so the Nitro system is the underlying platform for the latest generation of EC2 instances that enables you to innovate faster and reduce costs and deliver added benefits like increased security and new instance types. Uh, so they announced a 36% increase in EBS optimized performance on EC2 C5, C5D, C5N, M5, M5D, M5N, M5DN, R5, R5D, R5N, R5DN, P3DN, and high memory instances. So that's that's really awesome. It's also been extended to some additional instances such as G4DN, I3EN, INF1, M5A, M5AD, R5A, R5AD, T3, P3A, and Z1D instances. Importantly, Nikki, how much does that 36% performance increase cost our customers? Nothing. Favorite no price. addition. <laughs> you just get it, which I think ties into something we haven't really talked a lot about, which is which is Nitro, and we should talk about it on one of the episodes. Is if you can use a Nitro-based system, you should use a Nitro-based system because you just get so much extra goodness from a performance standpoint uh, without having to do any work, which is also my favorite amount of work. <laughs> yep, favorite amount of work and favorite price, free and no work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon FSx for Luster CSI driver now supports some new file system deployment options. So this is related to uh, use for people who are running Kubernetes, running on AWS. Uh, this uh, provides support for the new generation FSx for Luster file system deployment options, which gives you access to high-performance file systems with containers on Amazon EKS and self-managed Kubernetes clusters running on AWS. So uh, previously it was just for sort of scratch space. Now you've got longer-term processing uh, capabilities, persistent file systems, and also replicated data and file servers that are replaced if they fail. Also, there is now a second generation Scratch file system that's designed to better support spiky workloads, so you can burst 6x higher than the baseline as well. Uh, now, all three file system deployment options are supported in the latest version of the CSI driver as well. It also now supports using the AWS KMS to encrypt FSx for Luster file systems. So if you're in this world, this is a plugin you should be using. 
And last topic, training and certification. One quick update here. New classroom course called Media Essentials for IT Business Decision Makers. Uh, so this is a brand new course. It's a two-day classroom course and it's built by the experts at AWS. And it covers the media and cloud fundamentals that can empower you to develop a cloud migration strategy for all media workflows. Uh, so, you know, this covers important concepts like video processing, compression, delivery, as well as different variables that can impact your migration decisions. You can explore real-world examples of hybrid and cloud use cases for media services uh, like Elemental, Media Live, Media Convert, and Media Tailor. This awesome course, two-day course for, uh, for IT business decision makers. And that concludes today's updates. It does indeed. So, Nikki, how do people find you if they want to track you down? You can track me down on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is just my name as an ORNM. So like your knee and a key, 23. And uh, please tweet at me, DM me. I answer all of my DMs on Twitter. And please give us feedback on the podcast, what you like to see more of, what you don't like. We love to hear from you. Indeed we do. The other place to do that is AWS podcast at amazon.com. We do love all the feedback. We do take it on board and we try and make the podcast better for you. Nikki, thanks again for uh, making this update show happen. No problem. My pleasure. I mean, I didn't move from my couch, so yeah. all good. Big, big ask. <laughs> Huge ask of you. Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening and uh, look forward to hearing from you next time. Please do tell others about the podcast and until next time, keep on building.